Are we recording? We are recording. For sure. For sure we are recording. Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. Uh, Once again, we are here uh, with my good friend, Father Chuck. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. That's great. I'm doing well. I'm a little stressed out, but I'm okay. I'm also here with Matt Wells. How are you doing, my friend? Fantastic. Fantastic. That's great. I can hear it in your voice that you're doing great. I feel like I want to be the one to just address the elephant that's in the room in your voice. That, um... That I'm a our moderator. Man. That our, is offensive, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. And on that note, Father Fun um, <laughs> joining us again for the second time. The one and only Father Fun is here. Uh, thank you for joining us, Patrick. There was a joke I made about his sequel appearance. Um, you won't hear it because we just did 35 minutes of a podcast that our moderator forgot to record. We did 10 minutes because the call was 15 minutes when we started the thing. <laughs> thank you, Father Chuck. Thank you very much. They were 10 glorious minutes. There was hours of, of information and wealth of knowledge. Yeah, but you know what? You know what? It's, you know what? It's in the past, and I prefer to be present. Now, on that, oh, too nostalgic about it right now. Nice <laughs> throwback to the last. Episode. Well played. Um, and Father Fun will never be joining us again. Um, <laughs> on our pod- um, no, but JP, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll steal. I've never stolen. I'll steal for a minute and direct. Okay, enjoy um, the podcast. Fine, enjoy the, it. The reason, the reason that we we recorded and record was forgot to be for, forgotten to be pushed um, is because of tornadoes. So, can you explain again the tornadoes? Because I know both of you, because uh, Chuck and I are here in good old sunny Florida, where it's it was beautiful here, by the way. Yes, it, not it's to rub amazing. it in, but the weather here has been fantastic. Well, I mean, it was it was it was beautiful today too. Just for three minutes, it was a dark hell outside, but then it cleared up real fast. But that's how tornadoes work. That we is had, how tornadoes work. Yeah, we had we had two where I am here in Norman, Oklahoma. One southeast from us that actually destroyed a few homes, which is very sad. Another one, uh, the clouds went right over us, and then one landed very far away from us. Thank God, they always miss us. The house I'm living in right now, it's been in my family since 1958, has not once been touched by a tornado. We are like, we are like in the target zone, like near the bullseye. So. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and we had one nearby as well, but I don't know. I, I'm not as in touch with the weather phenomena in my area to know whether houses were destroyed, but I'm sure it was very sad. Um, you know, yeah. wide open spaces up there, so maybe some cow. Maybe there were some cows spinning around in the tornadoes. You know? <laughs> and, now, and now they are in the wonderful world of Oz. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That first I mean, Oz reference. We didn't do an entire. We did an entire podcast. Without an Oz reference. No, but, you know, I, I did do a mean Twister reference, so. Yeah. Which, I guess I could, I, I'm not going to recreate it. Whatever, we missed it, so it's fine. We'll stick with Wizard of Oz. <laughs> the moment has <is> passed. <laughs> Something about belts and pipes and Bill yeah. Paxton. The, and you made a good joke about Pa Kent. Yeah, yeah, there were no Pa Kents uh, harmed in Norman, Oklahoma today uh, that I know of. Uh, to which Father Fun said, how about Martha? And I went, why just kind of stop. <laughs> We're just trying to redo the podcast. I hope I hope you guys edit this part. <laughs> I think this part will be glorious. <laughs> uh, so we survived our tornadoes. We're fine. It created a stressful day for me, uh, which is why I forgot to press the record button. That will never happen again. So um, we're going to jump right into our topic today. And uh, Father Fun actually sent us an email. Last week we talked about wanting to do a um, sort of viewer mail segment. <clears throat> and uh, Father Fun sent us something and we decided, hey, let's just have him on our show. Because uh, we would love to have him as a recurring guest mm-hmm. in Masters of Divinity. And uh, that seems I mean, to be something that's actually going to keep happening for us. Yeah, I mean, can I, can I see so much so that Matt developed a special title card mm. where he or Father Fun has been added to it. He has his own special title card. So if you see a fourth person on the icon, that means Father Fun features in that episode. Um, I think that is very cool. And, and, and who, cool. Very and who, I feel very honored. And, and who is the character that uh, he's kind of betrayed as? Is, uh, what's his Beast name? Man. He's Beast, Beast Man. Beast Man. So if you see Beast Man on our title card, uh, you know Father Fun is, is, is an yeah, action. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and we could just flock him, in which case he becomes Moss Man. I don't know what that means. It's, it's a joke. It's, it's a joke because the, the, the action figure of Beast Man and the action figure of Moss Man are the same mold. It's just that one is flocked. You got to be fucking kidding me, man. <laughs> uh, so, Father Fun, uh, <laughs> what was on your mind? We, we're not going to read the email because since you're here, so... <laughs> you yeah, just... sure. Um, okay. Well, I was just thinking about... Um, I was reflecting on my viewing of uh, the new MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Captain America Civil War, and I was reflecting on, as I was driving home, I was thinking, that lived up to the hype. Like, you know, I was very excited about the movie. I, you know, Black Panther and and Spider-Man and superheroes fighting superheroes, continuation of the political drama that they did really well in Winter Soldier. You know, just some good, I was really excited for it and it ended up being great. And I was trying to think about why it was different, why that movie lived up to the hype that I had built for it when Batman v Superman did not. And, and I think that in some ways I was even more, hyped for Batman v Superman because I like the Batman care as a character more than anybody in the Marvel universe. And so I was starting to think about, we, we have this need to be marketed to with this need to have hype and, um, and then, and what it does to our ultimate enjoyment of movies. You know, I see on, on movie websites and, and, um, discussion boards all the time. Like I was really anticipating this movie and it was terrible. Or, but but then on the flip side, when we choose to divorce ourselves from the hype train, when we when we try to avoid trailers or when we try to avoid the blogs, we end up ultimately being surprised and enjoy things more um, because that isn't the case. And and I felt like there was a theological component to that, and I just felt like I was thinking about it, and I saw so I sent an email, just thinking if you guys had a thought on it, if you were going to do your email, or if I could. Weasel my way, beast man my way into the uh, internet. Yeah, I think when I hear you talk about this, Patrick, I think about um, like a comment like that I see on some of the movie blogs. I remember once, like just before, like a couple months before Batman v Superman came out, I saw a comment from somebody who was like so like true believer hyped about the movie was like claiming like that it was going to be Oscar worthy and it was going to be like, it was going to beat the competition. It was going to be like the best movie of the year, all this stuff. And they'd never seen it. Like they weren't like a press person who'd like had an advanced screening of the movie. They were just like anyone, like they're just you and I, like even then I was just like, man, like you really got to lower your expectations a little bit here. Like there's no way that movie's going to live up to that. Like that's just like, it just seemed almost delusional to me. It was just a weird thing. Yeah, and I, I, I was, I've been privy to that as well. Do you think that uh, there's a certain uh, detachment from reality uh, when when you're hyped about something to that to that degree? Well, well that what Ch- what Father Chuck's thing made me think about was that in some ways there is because there's I think that in, in some ways it's like kind of a cry for legitimacy. Right. That mm. that statement, right? Mm. Is saying like we're all we were all so excited when Heath Ledger won the Oscar for Batman because it meant that a truly amazing performance, obviously, but it also was this moment when a comic book movie won an Oscar, you know? Right. Yeah. And and to be able and, and I heard the same thing about like Civil War as well. Like I read stuff about like, you know, this is gonna be the movie that mainstreams comic book movies in a way in, a, in an award kind of capacity obviously they're very mainstream but that that kind of a that that kind of hype is actually a cry for legitimacy to be able to say to your parents like you know those things i liked when i was a kid like they're real now you they're know? winning awards now yeah yeah uh, hmm. that's interesting um while you're talking about that i'm thinking about even the hype that we give the academy awards like the uh the idea of winning an Academy Award that's a, a group of people who tend to vote for movies that the rest of us are like, why? And yet we give them so much credit for, like, we you want to see your favorite movie get the Academy, like, the, the best movie award for the year. Especially like, last year when Mad Max Fury Road got all those nominations, mm. right? Yeah, but it's like, but these people, these people have a, a, a proven track record 
of being insane <laughs> and choosing movies that just leave people baffled. Um, but we still overhype that idea. I mean, we, I say we, like we're ever in the running for an Academy Award. I mean, as a movie viewer, I still give it so much, so much credit and hype. Like this movie's been nominated for seven Academy Awards and it's like, wow, it's gotta be good. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's well, even I, that's hype. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a celebration of culture, a certain kind of culture. Um, <laughs> As long as it's not comic in nature, because um, we ignore comedies when it yeah. comes to the Academy Awards. Yeah, and you know they're I, I, they're trying to fix that. They're they're pretty out of touch. I mean, can you name a movie in the last five years that won Best Picture that you really loved? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the Best Picture category itself. Like, did did you guys love? I don't know, The King's Speech. I loved Return of the King. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm talking about the last five years. Oh, last five years. Oh, I haven't watched the Academy Awards. I just don't watch. Them, I, I so. actually. Oh, okay. I don't know who won. Won. I. I, I don't. I, I realize as it comes out of my mouth, I sound really smug. Yeah. Uh, and it it <laughs> has it, it has everything to do with that. I just cut the cable, um, and I stream <laughs> all of my media now. Um, I mean, which is true. But also, I just he said I that while closing his eyes and looking up at the ceiling. It's really I did. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't make the Academy Awards a priority anymore. I just, yeah. mostly because I just, I'm like where Matt's at. Like, like Matt's saying that like, we, we hype this thing and it seems so divorced from who we are. And I just kind of got tired of watching kind of Hollywood self-congratulate. And I just, I find better things to do with my Sunday evenings than, than to watch stuff that I just like. If I'm just going to be like, oh, that movie that I didn't like is the one that's going to win. So why do I waste my time? Is this the part where you attempt you you attempt to offend an Academy Award winner so they come on our show? <laughs> <laughs> are there any Calvinist? Are there any Calvinist Academy Calvinist Award? Academy Award? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to find like that one that one person. Like I hope there's one person in the world that I can like. They they're so niche. And I just, I just make you them just so angry it. to the point that <laughs> every episode you find one more aspect of their personality that you do not like. <laughs> so there's this one guy. He's in like Plano, Texas, and he's just like fuming in you his home. He listens just to hate. You just automatically offended everybody in Plano, Texas. Plano. <laughs> so you're you're beginning to narrow it down already. Uh, I used to live in Plano, Texas. It's it's fine. They're not going to do anything to you. <laughs> Calvinist from Plano, Texas, who was nominated for an Academy Award, and you won. <laughs> you you when you mentioned um, I don't know something something that you said made me think about. I just speaking of hype, I just rewatched the trailer for um, AMC's Preacher. Oh, you were talking about cutting the cord, cutting the cable, and I don't have it uh, now. Now that we've cut the cable as well, I don't have a way to watch Preacher, and I'm and I'm I watched the rewatched the trailer for it, and it's coming out. Next Sunday, I think, maybe on the twenty second. Oh, sooner than I thought. Wow. Yeah, and it looks so good, and I'm just, I'm yeah. like, I'm freaking out trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to watch it. <laughs> uh, hype, you know, the, the last episode we talked about nostalgia, and how it's been mass produced and marketed, and it's now a part of our, our daily entertainment. It's part of what we consume. I get the feeling that hype is sort of the same way now because I, I look into what the kids are saying these days. You know, because I'm not, I'm not too much of an old. <laughs> and you know, one of the sayings, one of the one of the the, the, the things people like to say is, is is get hype, you know, or I'm hype. It's yeah, I've seen it's, that. Be- it's become part of pop culture to be hyped about something. And I think it's also something that's being manufactured just like nostalgia is. You know, mm-hmm. uh when something comes out, it's always like, Oh, it's gonna be like the greatest thing in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. So JP, yeah, it makes me think about um when I would buy comic books, on the counter, they would have like all these little knickknacks on the counter, you know, like there'd be like 12 sided die, and then there would be like little like toys and, and, and other things. And then they'd have like these little handbills for like upcoming like comic book things or whatever. And I remember like it was around the time that Green Lantern came out, and there was this the handbill said like, you know, the most anticipated movie of the year. And I remember like at the Spike TV Awards or some kind of Spike Awards that year, they gave an award to it where Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively came out and received an award (laughs) for the most anticipated movie of the year. Then Green Lantern turned out to be Green Lantern, which was sad for me because I really like Green Lantern, but the movie was not good. And I tried to defend it for a really long time, and I just can't. It's a bad movie. But then like a couple years later, I'm buying comic books, same comic book store, and like the exact same spot – is a handbill for Man of Steel. And on the top of it, it says, most anticipated movie of the year. And it's like in quotations, like it's from like legit source somewhere. And I'm like, 
do you really like after seeing Green Lantern? Is that like the tagline you really want to use? Because I feel like I feel like that's a soiled thing now. If if that's what you're going for, okay, whatever. And then Man of Steel turned out to be. I mean, it was. I enjoyed the movie. I really liked it. It was obviously much better than Green Lantern. Kind of a disappointment for a lot of people. And I'm willing to bet that if I were still buying comic books, that if I were to go to that comic book store, there would have been one for Batman v Superman as well. Most anticipated movie of the year. I could be wrong about this. So one of our listeners who, who goes to comic book stores can, can clarify this for me. But, but I just sort of feel like that was just a weird thing. Like there was all this marketing and it seemed like, like – this is going to be a, weird, a really weird reference. But I think of um, – there's a Soul Asylum song, um, Runaway Train I think it is. It has this line that says, um, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And like I sort of feel like it's that same kind of idea that's like if we tell people to be excited about this, they're going to be excited about it. And so, like, yeah, you have all this pre-hype stuff, and then, like, I don't know, like, the DC movies seem to be, like, you get, like, all this excitement, all this emotional energy into it, and then you're just completely disappointed by the thing that they produce. I don't know if I would go so far to say that Batman v Superman is bad. Like, I, I, uh, hold on, Matt. I know you want to kill me for a moment. But, like, like, I don't know if I would say that Batman v Superman was bad. I think it was just mediocre. Right. It's just a mediocre movie. I mean, I think if, like, we had seen no trailers, and there had not been three years of prep for this movie. I mean, cause they've been making the thing forever and like talking about it forever that if we had not had all of that going, I think if we went into it, we would think it's a, a better movie than it actually, than we, than many, than we think it is. I think part of it is the way the hype played into that. Well, and I'm, I'm wondering if there's something in the payoff that Marvel gets that, that Batman V Superman didn't get. I rotted my brain so much on BVS stuff that, Literally the entire movie I knew there was nothing in it that was surprising. Like there was nothing in it that, that made me go like, whoa, that I felt like this is sexual, but like that there was like, there was not an orgasm moment, you know, there wasn't that, that built up. I don't know if I can say that. Sorry. No, you can say <laughs> well, it. It's fine. Like I think um, maybe to make it, maybe it's, it's sort of like the way that was like in Avengers when Hulk, like when, when, when Captain America told him Hulk smash, yeah, and Hulk just like went nuts. Like that moment for me in Avengers was an amazing moment. It was a surprise moment because by that point I'd pretty much yeah I'd been pretty much written off Hulk as a as a viable character, or, and suddenly he was like that was the best Hulk movie that had ever been made just with that little brief scene when Hulk grabs Loki and just starts oh just pounding against the, like how Dude, many people uh, like I, I, we saw that in theaters, guys. Like I remember people like standing up in their seats and like cheering when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> and so that so both of those are examples of things that didn't appear in trailers. And there's a huge there's a huge one that happens in uh, in Civil War that I don't know if we can spoil it or not. But that you know no. that we, By we the talked time about this airs. It's a week later. If you haven't seen, that's it, true. Deal with it. Spoil like it. There's a reveal of of a of a specific a, a specific aspect of Atman's character that is it's it's shocking and surprising and it changes it changes the way that the fight is happening. Right. And and I had knew nothing about it. Didn't yeah. didn't expect it at all. When they started building it up, you know, they, they he had a conversation with Captain America and and he he was saying, "Have you tried it before? And have you done it? And I've only done it once, but I passed out immediately." And you're like. Oh my God, is he going to do it? And then, bam, he becomes Giant Man. <laughs> the fight becomes about the fact that there's now a huge Paul Rudd stopping around. <laughs> the tiny man into the, the tiny dude's pig. The tiny dude's pig. Steps up one of the best pop culture reference jokes in the movie with the yeah. Star Wars. Yes, thing. yes, it That's does. The Star, War, the Star Wars joke from Spider Man is. And I remember, and I saw, I mean, with all the trailers, I saw a significant portion of Civil War already. Like there was, there was some things that I knew what was going to happen and all that. There's even little thing though, like the, the the big hero shot with the lineups of the teams. Yeah, um, I I specifically remember seeing those on posters. But small fact is Spider-Man wasn't in them. Right. In the movie, he's right there standing in the lineup on Iron Man's side, and I legitimately that made me excited again in the movie, even though I've seen this pose a million times. They they held him out of it. They put yeah. him back, and I'm like. It's like I saw it again for the first time, the, the hero poses well, like, I, lined up facing off. And... I, I know we're devolving into talking about Civil War, and I'd be more than happy to let this episode be an entire Civil War thing. I just saw it today. And I, I remember the scene when, um, when uh, Black Panther is chasing, is, is chasing Winter Soldier. And I remember like, I'm like so invested in this. I'm like, this is amazing. Like this character is amazing. And then I had a thought in my head that was like, oh, wait, Spider-Man still has to show up in this movie. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> – 
this is incredible. I know. This is incredible. I had to like go to the bathroom like really bad, probably like like within like the first quarter of that movie, and I didn't want to get up or miss anything because like I just I I was just I was so blown away by it. And I, I mean, I, I try to stay away from spoilers and trailers and stuff a lot of times, but like, but yeah, like anyway, getting back to this, like I, it totally lived up to all the hype. It, it, it did. Yeah, it really and, did. You know, I mean, you can't say that Marvel isn't a hype machine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we were saying like, you know, if you're not so hyped about something, you go in cold. You're gonna love it more than when you're hyped about it. But I feel like, I mean, I, I, I follow these these Marvel movies from like the, the day they're announced to like when I see it. <laughs> you know, like uh, when when Marvel announced their entire slate to Phase Three at the El Capitan Theater in L.A., I was like glued to my Twitter feed as like all the news was coming out. You know. And like this isn't even this wasn't a trailer. This wasn't concept art. This they weren't even announcing directors or actors for these movies. It was just titles and dates, and that's it. Right. You know? Yeah. And and yet they they're they're consistently paying off. Civil War, especially. And Holy crap. And here's why that was genius too, because I remember I went I saw that the Inhumans were coming out and that that was one of the movies that they were gonna make, which now seems to be on ice. I don't know. Yeah, it is taken off the slate. Yeah. It's a matter of when, but and and I, and I and I you know somebody who is kind of into superheroes but not somebody who grew up reading the comics. I was like, Inhumans, what is that? And I went out and I bought the only Inhumans comic I could find in the in, in my local store. Like that that stuff works, man. When yeah. you do it well, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, so this is going to be the because they can't have the X Men. This is how they're going to talk about you know enhanced beings, right? Uh, in that way, I was going to run the risk of stealing the stealing the podcast and. I guess we're uh, doing this episode. Right, now you're hyping the fact that you're stealing the podcast. Stealing I, yo, yo, get hype. I'm stealing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Please don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about like, all right, we're talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Like, what about things that like, I don't know, I'm th- I, for some reason in my, in my head, I popped to like um, the political, like political campaigns, like the presidential campaigns that are going on right now. And like how every single candidate their whole message is kind of hype, right? It's all like, in November, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. I mean, you know, it's always like yelling and saying what we're going to do and what's going to happen if you elect them as president. And like anyone who knows anything about government knows that they cannot make do on like most of the things they say they can because, you know, they have to work with Congress. They have to work with the Senate. They have to work with the Supreme Court. They can't just, you know, unilaterally make these decisions. And but that's what gets people voting for them, and then you get people get mad at them because they don't deliver on their promises. But it's like that's what we have to do. So I'm I'm just thinking about like JP, like as you're saying, like hype becoming a manufactured thing. I mean, it's hype that gets people to give money to campaigns. So it does like become like a marketing thing, and it becomes stuff that affects us. I think the very essence of marketing is hype. It's all an exercise in mob mentality. If I can control what the mass majority of people think, then I can, I can steer that the way I want. But I think with, with mm-hmm. movies, what we're talking about is when it falls short on the hype of something we're expecting to enjoy and it's horrible. In the political world, it becomes a dangerous tool with um, the ability to manipulate. And I mean, I'm going to take uh, this is not directed toward any of our uh, political candidates right now. But think of um, Hitler and the Nazis. I mean, that's a form of hype that he worked off of is is hyping these ideas, getting people Mm. to to think a certain way, controlling um, the the viewpoint by steering the the mass, the mob mentality. Um, It's amazing how if I can just tell enough people how good something is, it'll start to spread that that thing is good, whether it is or not. If I can just get enough people to hear it and maybe excited enough about it, um, then you can start shaping something. And I think, like, there's a lot of movies, music and stuff that, that you see that with, that enough, the right person sends out a tweet saying that this is the best movie they ever saw. Um, there are thousands of followers just buy that, eat that up because they, they like idolize this person. So then they then tweet that this is the greatest movie and then thousands more follow suit. And next thing you know, um, these movies are hyped to the point where they're like the greatest movies. And then when they come out, um, 
a lot of people stick with their denial and still act like it was the greatest movie when they're very aware it wasn't. And I think we even are saying we're kind of guilty of that. Like you, you get hyped about Green Lantern, you went and saw it, and then you spent how much time trying to convince yourself and others that it was actually a good movie until you realize, no, it wasn't. I just, I just bought into the, bought into the hype. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I say bought into the hype. I just really wanted Green Lantern to be a good movie. <laughs> You just, you just thought it was the most anticipated movie of the year. I did. There, there's that hype and that <laughs> detachment of reality that I was talking about. That's, 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 I, was trying to, I was trying to get that back to you. <laughs> yeah. Bring um, it back. There's a, it's a denial. And I, re- I really do think, I'm, I'm thinking of your detachment from reality. Hype really does incorporate a, an essence of denial in all forms. I get super hyped about a movie, and I'm in denial about the fact that these are movies made by people that are going to have flaws. I deny that and say this is going to be the single greatest thing I'm ever going to see. Um, there's like this aspect of denying <coughs> reality and the way things work um, when we start hyping things in our mind. And I feel like I'm rambling and everybody's staring at me. Like, <laughs> can, I, can I spin it theological real quick? I, I was hoping you would. That's I'm, why I'm here. I'm, I'm having an interesting realization that, that that's really one of the things that sets Jesus apart as a, as a, the founder of a religion is that he wasn't, he wasn't hyping anything at all. I mean, at all, really. I mean, when he talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was talking about a present reality as he saw it. He was saying, you're not living your life so that you can have this reward. You're changing the way that you live now. And in, and in a lot of ways he was kind of anti-hype too. It's amazing that he's, that, that the religion that he started has, has grown the way that it has grown because what Jesus said was, if you do this, you're going to die, you know? And then but what Paul says is, if you do this, you're going to die. They're going to persecute you. They're going to crucify you. They're going to, they're going to try to kill you. Um, which isn't, which isn't a really good marketing strategy. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Deny yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's, I mean, Christ's message is it's, I mean, it's the opposite of hype. It's, it's really pointing out the way things really are and are really meant to be. Um, and in that way, no... it directs us to, you know, what JP was saying is hype about being divorced from reality. What Christ says is, no, you need to be hyper-focused on reality. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting to me to think about, like, how many Christian leaders have done the opposite. Mm. And it is all kind of, like, the, the, the perfect example of hype that I think of theologi- in theological terms is, um, so my old church that I grew up in, my old, the old Baptist church that I grew up in, um, a few years ago, I went on their website just to kind of see what was going on. They had a new pastor, and they had been doing some rebranding and whatnot. And they had a little "We Believe" tag on the website, so I was like, "All right, look at this," you know. And um, pretty much everything on it, stuff that I think all of us would agree on, right? I mean, it's basic kind of Nicene Creed type stuff. And then they get into some like. You know, they're a very narrow view of, like, the Bible that we might have some disagreements with them about. But, you know, it's sort of like, well, they're Baptist. is pretty consistent with what Baptists believe or whatever. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're more independent than Southern Baptists. So if you know that kind of movement, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, um, more conservative than the Southern Baptists. But then it got to this line about the return of Jesus. And I remember it saying that the return of Jesus is going to be premillennial and glorious. And I'm like... All right, so if, like for our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about here, like so premillennialism is a view is a particular view of the end times that is particular to a certain section of Christian belief that believes that Jesus is going to return before a 1000 year period that's sort of talked about in the book of Revelation. And it's all rooted in this this theology known as dispensationalism from this guy named John Nelson Darby. Um, you can look at him on Wikipedia if you're curious for more information. But I just remember reading that and thinking like, well what if Jesus decides to come at a different time? I mean, like, Jesus makes it pretty clear, like, in the scriptures that no one knows anything about this, you know? It's going to be on God's terms, you know? And so, like, I just remember thinking, like, to me, like, you know, wow, you guys are really, like, hyping a particular view of things. Like, you guys are going to be super disappointed if God decides to do something completely different than what you think he's supposed to be doing. I was just actually wondering, and I'm interested in all three of you guys' uh, reactions to this. Should we be hyped about Jesus coming back? That's a good question. Because, like, on one hand, I want to say, yay, but, like... I just got through do, um, we're working through passages of the book of Revelation with my with my congregation, and I'm thinking there's lots of people to whom that return ain't going to be super awesome <laughs> <laughs> because I, because me growing up in you know the evangelical circles where we are 
very focused on the book of Revelation and, and, and taking it very literally. You know, the, the, your left behinds, your thieves in the nights. Um, it's like they're excited for it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the party that's on its way, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's, it's the beginning of, of like a perfect eternity for us, even though billions of people are going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's cause it's, it's good. It's good for us at the expense of others. Right. So, so what do you well, guys think? Is it, is it something to be hyped for? We just finished out the book of Revelation and last week, it, the, the passage even features this, um, this line about, it says the kings of the nations will be bringing, bring their glory into the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And like, just like a chapter and a half before that, the kings of the earth are mentioned again, are mentioned for the first time. And it says that they're the ones who wage war with Jesus. And they're the ones who are defeated by the sword that comes out of his mouth. And then it says that like the false prophet and the beast and like that, they all go into the lake of fire. But it says nothing about the kings of the earth. Later, the kings of the earth are bringing their glories into the nation. So that means at some point at the end of it, like even the enemies of Jesus, even the ones who wage war against him are coming into the heavenly city. So in a way, I want to say like, yeah, we can totally hype heaven because in the end, it works out for everybody because everyone gets to bring, everyone gets to be in there when all is said and done. I want to push back a little bit and say that I generally will agree with you as far as it comes to salvation, but I feel like my job as a pastor, as a priest, is to point the way to that while also being very clear that we have work to do here and that that salvation that, that, that all of creation is eagerly groaning for is not something that we aim for at the expense of the work that we still have to do to build the kingdom here. Um, yeah, totally. I totally agree with you on that. I mean, for me, what I think about on all this is that like, like in the end, God gets what God wants and God wants salvation for everybody. But that doesn't mean that like, we just sort of like sit around here and twiddle our thumbs and, and just sort of like hang out. Like, I think like if anything, us Christians now, we sort of get to live that – we get to sort of – we live it now. We get to enjoy that life now. And mm-hmm. so our job is to sort of bring people on with us. I mean like like what I said on Sunday in my sermon is I said that the Christian life – that the Christian life is really a matter of trying to get people on board rather than like, oh, here's like a list of precepts that you have to follow. It's rather like saying like, hey, you know all the stuff that you're trying to do to save yourself? Like that's already been taken care of. Jesus did that. Like God took care of that problem. So and like – It's a response to that. Right. And so now like, you know, hey, let's worship, you know, let's and then let's let's spread the word that, you know, this has all been taken care of. And we don't have to we don't have to stress ourselves out trying to save ourselves because salvation's already happened for us. And like to me, that changes that changes everything, um, because I think so much of the human of human life is people trying to save themselves. And I think being told that salvation's already happened is good news. Um, so I agree with you. I agree with you, Patrick, that it's not just a matter of like. Let's not do anything here. Like I think about like I think about some of the people who were involved in like environmental policy in the eighties who would say things like, Oh, well, God's never going to you know, we haven't God gave us enough natural resources on earth so that, you know, we'll never run out. It wasn't so we, just the eighties, it's still happening. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like it was like it was like kind of when it really became public in the eighties. Um, and it's like this idea that like you know, so if we use it up quicker, then Jesus comes back sooner. Isn't that great? Um, or that, like, you know, we just don't have to worry about it. We can, you know, we don't have to be good stewards of creation because it's something I hear a lot. I, when I was living in Los Angeles, I used to go to John MacArthur's church. I'm sorry, and uh, I remember one of his sermons was like, uh, "Just enjoy it, enjoy it all, consume." That's what he said. Right. And that's weird to do with like reckless abandon. Just enjoy it all and do it. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, because, like, when I think of enjoying things, I don't think about, like, exploiting them. Like, I think of sort of watching them do the thing they're supposed to do. But That's very true. That's very true. Um, but he's, he was supposed to, like, consume all you want and don't worry about it. You don't, you're not responsible for any of this. Right. That, that's, that's messed up to me. That's messed up. Well, um, if you don't mind me turn, uh, kind of turning a corner, I, I have a question for you guys uh, on the subject of hype. Um, what about hype in, in real life situations? You know, we talk about hype in movies, talk about hype in, uh, you know, the things that we consume and whatnot. What about like real life situations that happen, uh, within the the narrative of our lives? Like, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is marriage. 
Ooh. I actually, that, that, as that you're something... asking the question, had the exact same thought. Because that is something that, I mean, let's be honest, we hype that up our entire lives until, until mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. And sex, we hype up sex too. <laughs> yeah, it's a sex, romance, the, the whole package, the whole deal. And, and that, that hype, like, we do that to ourselves, but it's also external to us as well. It's marketed to us a little bit. That's true. Um, and, and I think that part of that comes from people who, it's like, it's like evangelism. It's like saying, like, I, like I, I, when you were talking about it, I was thinking about uh, fatherhood. Okay. And, um, because I was having lunch today with a, a parishioner and a friend and his wife is going to give birth within the next two weeks, probably. And he's going to have a daughter and I have a daughter and she's 18 months and she's great. And it's awesome. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me and all that. And I, during the conversation, I said to him, like, so you're going to become a dad. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? And he gave the same answer I gave, which was like, I have no idea. I mean, I guess I'm excited about it, but you know, and I, and I'm on the other side of it saying like. It actually is, you know, it's so good. I want you to be excited for it. I want you to, you know, I want you to be hyped for it. Um, not, not realizing that marriage, uh, fam- you know, family, your first job, sex, whatever, it's all a very personal thing. And in some ways, us trying to push our own kind of level of hype onto somebody else is, um, it betrays the authenticity, the authentic the authentic initial reaction that that person will have. That's very true. Yeah. I think, well, I think Patrick too, what I mean, you and I have talked about this a bit and how like you and I have, you're very different than the rest of us on the podcast because you've, you're cradle Episcopalian. Right. All of us have grown up in the evangelical Baptist world where we had, um, you know, um, what's Joshua Harris? Is that it? I've kissed, kissed dating, dating goodbye. Who's oh, that? Uh, yes, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. I, I kissed dating goodbye. That's... I kissed dating goodbye. I refused to read that book. Oh, you did. I mean, I never read it, but I was you know kind of aware of it. And of course we've got stuff like wild at heart and captivating <laughs> and like, can we get John Eldridge on this podcast? John Eldridge. <laughs> but like, so like, I think about like the way that like, I know like for, for me, and I'm a, I suspect the two of you guys, Matt and JP, that like youth camp and all of that, there was so much pressure about dating and relationships and girls and all of that. And to where like, you know, you would get these like, like, I mean, like I would think, I, I would, I, I think that some of those Christians were more obsessed with sex than the world. Like they would claim that the world is all about sex and all I think about is sex. And it's like, well, that's all you guys talk about with us. A lot of so, youth pastors turning their chair around and rapping with the kids about. Oh gosh! Wait, do you guys <laughs> do that? <laughs> no, no. The, probably the worst. The worst thing I think that I ever experienced was youth pastors talking about their sex lives with their wives, as though they were like, like sharing like like they were like buddies of mine, like in the locker room sharing like their stories. And like, if I heard one more youth pastor be like, "I love sex with my wife," like if I heard that one more time, I was probably going to throw something. I really think as we're talking about this, what I'm realizing, because I keep going back to the question, JP, that you asked about um, hype and a detachment from reality. Yeah. And I really think that the concept of hype, I believe we were setting out to discuss on this podcast, um, is, is is an attempt to excite people about something at the expense of honesty Hmm. about what it is. Um, so marriage, I'll, I'll go to that. Cause that's exactly what I thought when you're asking about real life scenarios, when marriage is hyped, it is talked about how when two people get married, it is the greatest thing ever. And you find your life partner and you get to experience life together. Um, and that's all well and good. And there, it's true, but there's another side to that truth that my wife will, will, will say too. So I can share this and, and her not be like, why would you say, um, marriage is hard. It's really hard. Um, And I would argue that life is so much easier if you don't get married. The the truth of the hype, the truth of the hype is that it's worth it. But the doubt, but the honesty that we hide is how hard it is, that it is a daily decision to to wake up and go, this is the person I'm choosing to be with um, and they're choosing to be with you. And the decisions that you make are shaped around um, this person, even when you you wake up sometimes and you don't want to look at them or talk to them. Um, But we don't talk about that. We talk about how 
I love waking up next to my wife and, and I get to have the most wonderful person to go through life with. And it's, yeah, I, I believe all that, but I also believe there's times where we can't stand each other. Um, and no one wants to talk about that. So when you get married and that happens, then the conversations my wife and I had um, the first couple of years is you, you honestly start to think you're the only ones who struggle with these thoughts. You start to think we're the only ones that have a problem talking with each other. We're the only ones who get mad at each other over stupid things like the remote control or where you left your shoes. Um, how come we can't be happy like all those people we see on Facebook hyping their marriage and families? Um, when uh, yeah, I touched yeah, 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 <laughs> I used to say about the role social media plays. In yeah, hype. Yeah. Well, I think that's a hype machine for your own life. But, I mean, that's yep. like when I, when I use the movie reference and somebody tweeting, this is the greatest movie. I really believe that social media has placed it right in front of our faces. And I think it's kind of actually, it's it's kind of pulled back the curtain, like the uh, Wizard of Oz to reference back to our tornadoes and stuff. And I don't remember if that was in the one we were recording or not. <laughs> but um, second Wizard of Oz reference of the night. It kind of pulls back the curtain and shows that the, uh, the wizard's this guy standing in the back. Is social media is kind of opening our eyes slowly to the fact that hype has always been there. Um, but now we can spread it quicker. Um, and now I get to actively be one who I can decide. I can take three pictures of my children and I can decide whether or not I want to post the one where they're fighting or post the one where I caught that half a second when they looked at me and were smiling about something. Um, and I can hype how wonderful my day with my children was. Or I could be honest and talk about how I love my children. I'd do anything for them, but sometimes they drive me up the wall and they're fighting all the time and I can't figure out how to stop. But nobody talks about that because we want to hype things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and I think the opposite of that is also, but I will say that I think the opposite of that is also super annoying, which is when you see these blog posts that are like, this is what a real mom looks like. And it's, well, that's, it's a, it's another form of hype. Though. Yeah. Um, it's always, it's the grass is greener thing. I'll go the other way and hype the fact that I'm the honest one. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, to bring it back to pastors, you get the pastor who talks about how everything's amazing and wonderful and how great they are and all the right things that they do. And then you get the pastor who's like, I'm just like you, I messed up here and I messed up here and I messed up here. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm also tired of hearing how, how messed up and real you are. Like, it's not real to keep telling me how, how real you are. If I hear, if I hear um, one more Christian talk about like how I'm broken, I'm just well, and broken just, before yeah, and the Lord. Really, like, and, and let me just take a, take a, a, a kind of a side trail on the whole thing, but still, still on the same topic. When Christians tend to hype how real we are, we, it shows that detachment from reality we were talking about. And I'm so annoyed by hearing, um, I'll just say Christian radio hosts talking about the troubles that they have in their their marriage or dating relationship, and it's like the cell phone. The cell phone is my biggest struggle. It's my distract my distraction. I just I don't focus on my wife because I'm on the phone. I'm like really. Um, the world has a divorce rate that's more than the people staying together, and you really think it's because cell phones instead of talking <laughs> about how about the fact that men. Um, don't even pay attention to their wife half the time because we're too busy thinking about some other woman. But we're going to say the cell phone's the problem. Right. It's just because I got I have to check my sports scores. It's it's sports. Sports are sports are the biggest struggle between me and my wife. I just can't stop checking ESPN sports. And it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a deeper a deeper truth that the world's struggling with than your your sports team and whether or not they're winning. Yeah. Um, and I think again, it's that detachment from reality and. And it's all a form of hype. So I'm curious, as we're talking, Matt, I know I'm stealing the podcast again. I, I'm, I actually have a question as well, but you can, you can go ahead if you want. Well, I was going to steer it to you, JP, because so okay. you're the only one of us right now in the room who's single. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I want to get to that. But yeah. I want to ask you guys a question first uh, before I get to what I want to say. Do you think hype can create entitlement? Hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, I think it, um, it. That's the same along the same lines of un, unrealistic expectation. Detachment from reality. So, yeah, it's definitely a um, any form of unrealistic expectation is a aspect of entitlement, 
because if I'm expecting something to be perfect, it, there's there's a form of I deserve it to be. Does that, does that make sense? Am I making Absolutely. Sense? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a there's a direct correlation between between that. Because they they do say that our generation is considered to be the, the millennial generation, whichever dates you want, old and young, um, is the most entitled generation. And I'm kind of wondering if a lot of it has to do with hyping certain things in our in our youth, you know, whether it be about jobs or marriage or relationships. Participation well, so, ribbons. So things that they say about our generation is that we're the first generation to get trophies for participation. <laughs> so is that? I mean, is that a form of hype to say? Yeah. That yeah. That's well, saying. you know what? what, what there's no losers here. Everybody's you know, a winner. I, 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 I have a comment about that participation trophy thing. I don't think I've ever known anyone that got a participation trophy that thought, "Yes, I have a lot of participation trophies, and I hated getting them." Yeah. No, they're lame. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how that really factors into our psychology. So what our generation has heard our entire lives, which participation trophies is a part of, is you can be whatever you want to be. You know, you, you, have, you have within you the, 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 the essence of greatness. If you want to be president, you can be president. If you want to be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut. And the reality is that that's not actually the reality, that, that, that the hype of, of, of self self-fulfillment is kind of a bum rap for our generation. Those of us who've gotten it, I guess. Yeah. Cause like, it doesn't matter how much I want to be a singer. If you heard me sing, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much I want to do it and yeah. how much I believe in myself. Yeah. And anybody who's heard me sing karaoke knows what I mean. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. Just this lack of teaching limits and awareness of limitations is something I think that is really a, a problem. Yeah. Well, 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 I want to go back to what I was what I was getting. I want to. I was asking yeah, yeah. If, if you think uh, uh, if it creates entitlement, hype creates entitlement. Do you feel entitled to an answer to your question? No, uh, <laughs> Matt and Chuck, you you were in the trenches with me during my, my frivolous uh, romantic pursuits <laughs> uh, in my youth, uh, <laughs> and as you can tell, uh, not many of them were successful. And I definitely think from I would say like high school all the way through college. There definitely was. I was. I was totally buying into the hype of of the Christian romance, that it was. You know, because you know, destiny is involved, and it's like sweeping and it's epic and it's like, oh, the one that God chose for me, and it's like, you know, and so that really kind of activated me to really find the one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the and one, the one, and you know, so you have that that. That imagery in your head, that hype, that if you go looking for the one, it's going to be like the love of your life. It's going to be like Hollywood romance. And that was in my head as I was pursuing these these oh, these poor women. <laughs> and at first, it was like, you know, bum city when they rejected you. But towards the end of college, I was very angry. It wasn't bummed. It was anger. And it's because there was like a deep, deep, deep entitlement in me hmm. because of this, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, me personally, I trace it back to this detachment from reality. Like, I, I mean, I had a whole life that like probably that like exists in an alternate universe when I was in college of like what after college is going to be like and having the love of my life on my side was definitely part of that reality that I, that I created that I was trying that I was trying to recreate in the real world. And it didn't happen. And then, you know, the entitlement sets in and then you get angry and then you lose friends and then you lose yourself and you're just depressed and you hate yourself and the world and all that. I, you know, I think, I, you know, Jeff, as you, as you mentioned, I think about like you and I, I think, had some similar experiences relationship like wise in college. And like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to name names, but I'm not going to in the event that they listen to this podcast. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I think of. I mean, people that like like it, it bred a certain kind of misogyny. Yes, absolutely. Where I felt that this these women were entitled to me, and like I remember this one ex girlfriend of mine, like actually a couple of them. And if they're listening, they're they're going to know who they are. And so this is my apology, I guess. But was being angry with them because they weren't listening to what God was telling them to do? Ooh. Because clearly. They were God's will for me because God had told me they were God's will for me. Yeah. And because they weren't like 
they weren't, you know, succumbing to my advances or, you know, they had, we had dated for a little while and they broke things off because of whatever reason, because they felt that God was leading them in other directions or whatever. That's like, no, you're not listening to God. Like you're in rebellion to God. And like, what a messed up, what a messed up way of life that is. And, and do you think Chuck that this probably, a lot of it has to do with our own personal issues and our own environments, but do you think it mostly has to do, and you guys can chime in as well. Do you think it mostly has to do with the hype? Oh, I think it totally has to do with the hype because, you know, the idea of you only want to be with the one who is supposed to be the one. That if you're not with somebody who's meant to be the one, you're just wasting time. That they're always going to be second. And so you then get with somebody that you're convinced is the one. And then... yeah, And, just, and, you, and you guys are touching on... <laughs> A reality. I mean, you all—you all are speaking at it from a. It was hyped for you from your Christianity, your Christian perspective. Right. But you're also. I hear in your in your reflections, the kind of stuff I hear from young women about what kind of society and popular culture, apart from Christianity, is selling them about what it means to be a woman and to find the you know every rom com ever, ever made. And, and, and any, and, and many books or, or many magazines are all about your destiny is to find the one. That's very right. true. That's very true. Um, uh, there, there's a hype made on the other side of the spectrum with, with, with women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I think there's a, on our end of it, to to man up to our, um, the, the male faults is on our end. It was the, the, uh, I am your one was our problem um, instead of mm. on their end, they were expected to find the one. And we were like, well, I'm your one. Like, hello, how do you not see it? Right. There's an, there's an arrogance to it. That, that was I'm, I'm storming the castle and slaying the dragon, baby. I'm your one. <laughs> yeah. Like I think about like, yeah. And then like, there are times where I look uh, like I see things on the internet now, like in social media, particularly on Twitter, where like there's this little phenomenon of women retweeting like the harassment they get from like Tinder and stuff. Oh yeah. And it freaks me out because I see myself in those guys sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Like, it's, well, I should say me like early 20s, late teens me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I um, but yeah, that like that idea that like I'm somehow entitled to you and then like get mad at you for being like, "Oh, well, you're just dating the wrong guys." Uh-huh. Why, you know, and like the whole nice guy thing. Yeah. yeah, and like like that brilliant Amy Schumer sketch about um, about um, miladies. The miladies, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it nails it perfect because I was a milady. I was too. I totally yeah. was. And so any of if any of my any of any of you any any women who've known me, <laughs> I, I treated you that way, and I am so very sorry. <laughs> Ditto, all of every woman. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm paying for all my crimes. It's fine. <laughs> if, I, if I can interject for a second, for, yeah. for one second, Chuck, you're talking about uh, women who retweet their harass when they get on Twitter, on Tinder. My favorites are the ones where they retweet their, the harassment they get, but they also look up the person on Facebook and send the message to their moms. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Those are incredible. That's yeah. like, if you just, if you just, Wanna, if you just have a hankering to, to look at justice for a day, I would consider you know looking that up on, on like Reddit or, or Tumblr or something. It's it's amazing. Uh, Father Fun, you're going to say something. Well, I'm I'm just wondering about I, like I'm 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 feeling the bitterness a little, and I'm wondering if there's a if there's a learning here or if there's a a, a so what. I, I don't I don't know if I have it, but. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm feeling like it's a like like it's a little negative. We've gone negative with this hype thing, except for when we've talked about heaven. Except we did spin that negatively as well. Hmm. Is is hype just inherently a, a negative go from thing? here? I guess. Yeah. I mean, is is that our takeaway? That hype is a bad thing. I mean, well, I think when we when we get off here, I'm going to go to one of my video game websites and I'm going to watch some trailers and I'm I'm going to go straight to Birth Movies Death and see what yeah. Dan Farachi's up to. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I think what it comes down to is I think I think Jippy I think you may be right that hype is intrinsically divorced from some degree of reality because I think like hype requires you to suspend any kind of reasoned way of thinking 
Like it's not reasonable to like like it's 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 reasonable to be excited about something, but I don't know if it's reasonable to be hyped about something and to like talk a big game about something that you've never experienced. Like, and particularly for me, I think about like movies, like people who talk about movies, authority, like they try to talk about it authoritatively and they've never seen it, you know, same thing with like video games, same thing, like whatever. And like, and I think like, and then sometimes they, they, you know, it comes out and the thing that they've seen or that they think they've experienced is garbage. And now they feel like they don't want to be humble and admit that they were wrong in their hype. And so they double down and try to fight about it. Um, but so I think like in some degree, like hype, hype might actually intrinsically be somewhat negative because it. It's like one it, it, from a marketing consumer standpoint, it exploits us as people. It tries to get us to shut down our reason, you know, our reasonableness in order to throw money at things. I mean, that's what all advertising really tries to do, right? I mean, it's all psychological manipulation to begin with. And so, like, I wonder, like, even religiously, like as Patrick, you were saying, or Father Fun, as you were saying about um, about like heaven, like, I think it's. I think we should be excited about it, but I mean, hyping it, like I worry that hyping it is where we start turning a corner and we turn into something else. Cause like, ultimately, like you said, and you're completely right. Jesus is the opposite of the hype machine. You know, I mean, if he hypes anything, he hypes the idea that you're going to suffer and die. I mean, it's, it isn't hype. It's not, you know, it's, it's very simply, this is what I'm offering to you. And I'm offering it to you in a way that this is what the world is supposed to be or whatever. And I think that, I think that, yeah, that as Christians, like, we have to – because I feel like – I guess like what comes out to – I'm getting con- a little convoluted here. But I think what ultimately comes out is hype lacks humility. And one of the most important things for all of us to have is humility. And so, like, I think we have to be humble. Like, again, like, being, I think being excited about something is still humble. But, like, you know, it's like if I'm, like, really like, – like, right now, like, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the movie Suicide Squad. Right. I don't have high hopes for it because of Batman v Superman. But I'm very excited about it, um, and I hope that it'll be good. But if I go see the movie and it turns out to be garbage, like I'm gonna be disappointed. But I don't think like my identity is gonna be crushed. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is, is hype tries to get you to find your identity in it. I mean, for crying out loud, Warner Brothers had people getting tattoos <laughs> for yeah. Suicide Squad. I mean, yes. you know, that's permanent, right? Right. Um, and like. You go and you and if it's if it's crap, then you have this crap tattoo on your body until you can like save up enough money to get it covered up or whatever. Um, so I feel like I feel like you know, hype just sort of lacks a degree of humility, um, and we have to be humble about this stuff. Just like we need to be humble about everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I and I, I mean, on my end, hearing our conversation about hype and thinking about it as we're talking. Um, I think it plays into a lot of things we've talked about in previous episodes. And at the risk of um, sounding repetitive, I think that it ties very closely with um, actually the last time Father Fun was on. And we talked about uh, fandoms and looking for those like niche things that separated us from everybody else and how we continue to segregate until it's just us standing there alone. Like I have to look for one step further away from everybody. I feel like hype is kind of the same form of that, that if I hype something, it's at the expense of everything else. Um, so it's divisive and it, it separates, it segregates, because if I'm saying this is going to, for using a movie, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. So I just, what, cast aside every movie ever made because this is going to be the greatest movie <laughs> Including ever. all of those that you haven't actually seen. And right, including seen. including the ones I don't see, the ones I don't understand, the ones that come from other cultures. This is the single greatest movie ever. Like, to, the hype inherently segregates. Um, and and it, it's, it's, it's divisive in a way. And I feel like um, hype separates... Whereas excitement can can catch and can spread and can be used good or good or bad, but for the most part, excitement just spreads um, involvement, if you will. Mm-hmm. A, a healthy excitement gets people involved, whereas hype is is kind of polarizing. For me to to jump up and say you, um, which I totally hype it in my my review, but I stand by it is the, the greatest movie ever. But, um, but like the Captain America Civil War, if, if, if I jump up and hype it, 
it's polarizing. It, it, it segregates the DC fans from mm-hmm. the Marvel fans and the comic book readers from the non-comic book readers. And it inherently incites argument and judgment. Whereas if I was just like, it's a really good movie, you should go see it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I'm going to go see it. And we well, can talk about it and be excited about it. I think about the, the Anglican theologian John Milbank, he, he says in one of his books, he says that Christians are called, we're called to persuade, not to coerce. Like that, that's, that's evangelism for Christians is persuasion, not coercion. And I feel like the way the hype machine, like, let's just, let's talk about the hype machine, you know, like that, the idea, like the marketing thing or whatever, that the hype machine is about coercion. It's trying to coerce us and to be exciting, excited about something that we might not otherwise be like, that's the whole thing is to get us swept up into sort of like a mob mentality about something. And so that we we don't really stop and think about it. We just get excited and consume and buy and participate and all of that. You know, like I think about one of the things I talk about right now that like a, a metric that they use for whether or not a movie is going to be successful is if the trailers offer moments for gifts. <laughs> you know? Like like gifts as like like graphic interface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah GIF, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> no, I thought you said gifts. With it. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Graphic, like, if you, if you, if if the trailer like result in like Tumblr or their websites having it, then like that's an indicator that it's gonna do well. I actually heard that an indicator of whether or not a movie would do well is if the trailer has the bong sound effect in it. <laughs> oh, well, I believe that is all the time we have uh, for this episode. Do you guys have any final thoughts at all about hype? Uh, should we? I'm having a hard time reconciling the hype is bad because I, I partake in it so much and, and, and I love doing that's, it. And, and, and there are some cool. parts where there, there are parts of hype that have not disappointed me, you know? Yeah, but it's like, but there's it's some like, it has, but it's like Jim Gaffigan says about McDonald's, man. It's, it feels <laughs> easy. It feels good going down. It feels good going down. Right. I mean, that's, it's fast food, man. Like it's not good for you, but it, you still want it. Yeah. <laughs> it's empty carbs, man. Okay, I can go. I, I'll go the – see, you go that route. I'll go the um, the motivational speaker route is, is don't get caught up in the hype. That's the, I think that's the downside. But, I, try, yeah. but try to be the person that lives up to the hype. Oh, really? Let me tell you, let me just... <laughs> oh, my gosh. And we're out. You know, I bet if we made our podcast that, we'd be number one. We'd be number one. If we, if we gave those kinds of platitudes, we'd be number one. Um, one who lives up to the hype. Oh, God. Well, we, we've got some hype to live up to uh, next week. <laughs> Things are going to get real. He's going to eat your lunch, guy. <laughs> he is. He's. What if he schools us? He starts interviewing us. He's like, let me tell yeah. you what you were. You guys are wrong. I listened to this episode. And, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? What if? It's <laughs> the only end result the I only, see happening. The only words we say on the next episode are uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I read this in a John Piper book, and I, uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to be like, do you guys remember those old Chris Farley sketches on SNL? when he had his like own little talk show and like Paul McCartney was on one episode and he was like, so do you you remember that time when, (laughs) when you were on, when you were on the Beatles? Uh, yeah, I do. This is great. Isn't that cool? (laughs) I'm going to be like, so do you, do you, have you ever, did you ever watch sliders in the (laughs) nineties? Please don't ask him that. <laughs> we should ask him about like, the nerdiest thing he's there, into. There's no thing. good outcome to that question. <laughs> he either is like, what are you talking about? And or it's the whole or, episode. Or he's like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite thing, and I lose all respect for him. <laughs> you lose respect, and I have a whole new respect for him. No, the best thing that could happen is he could say, I do remember the season finale of, of, of season three when, <laughs> when they have to leave the <laughs> Earth because of the Crow Magnus. Crow Magnus took it over. Yeah, well, that was uh, the season opener. Of season don't four. take us down that <laughs> route again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much more, but you have to tune in next week and the week after, the week after that, just to get the whole spectrum of JP's fandom towards sliders. Yes. On that hype, 
spread the greatest podcast ever. Master yes, community. please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, review us. You might end up on this show if you write a review. Just look if you hype us enough. <laughs> <laughs> hype us up, son. Um, we didn't even talk about. I realized I'm kind of like the flavor flav of the pot <laughs> of the mod. Nice. You're the flavor flav. Yeah, boy. You know, come in and <laughs> you're our hype man. Yeah, yeah that was there's, that was officially the, the thing, whitest thing that has ever happened on this podcast. So we just, I'm here. That's saying a lot. And I admitted that I was a mall ninja. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. Great. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Father Chuck, Matt Wells, Father Fun, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your thoughts with the world. We all thank you. We all love you. Rate, subscribe, review, like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter us, read our books, our blogs, all that stuff. You can find it all. The um, master of the masters of divinity.com. Correct. Father Chuck, where can people find you? You can find me at um, my church's website, uh, chapelsta.org. You can find me, uh, of course, on Facebook and other places, but on Twitter at uh, FRCharlesB. Okay, great. Matt Wells, where can people find you on the internets? Um, you can just find me on all the podcast out, outlets at the moment, um, themastersofdivinity.com at, uh, at MOD underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, the Facebook Masters of Divinity page. That's that's pretty much it. I've I've neglected my own social media at the moment because I've been <laughs> trying to do something on that. You're hyping us. I'm which hyping we, us. Which we very much appreciate. Uh, Father Fun, where can people find you? I'm at Father Fun, spelled out F-A-T-H-E-R-F-U-N on Twitter. And uh, I just want to say thank you guys for inviting me back. Um, Anytime, my friend. It was a great, great, great way to spend my evening. And uh, I want to do it again. Great. And I'm your moderator, JP. You can find me at John Spencer Post on Twitter. You can also find me blogging about movies. There's only one movie review. It's for Batman v Superman. But if there's any Batman v Superman uh, review you're going to read, read mine. It's at johnspencerpost.wordpress.com. Thank you so much. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're clear. Oh, I was not recording last. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally be on a plane (laughs) heading to... uh, Goodbye. Sirens, it ain't tornadoes.